The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith in the Sunday morning service at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Happy Mother's Day. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I didn't have to pick a special uh, text for Mother's Day because the passage I'm in fits perfectly. It's all about why we don't lose heart when circumstances are so difficult. All of us are fully aware, whether we want to admit it or not, that being a mom is not only a lofty calling, but it's also a very difficult calling, a difficult work. Paul here is talking not about mothers, but about himself, but he's talking about why it is that he does not lose heart in face of all the difficulties that he faced uh, fulfilling his calling as an apostle. So let me read. We're just going to look at three verses. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, if you'd turn there. Therefore, <clears throat> we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look, or as we are looking, or or fixing our gaze upon the things which are are not seen, we are not looking at things that are seen, but we are looking at things, we are gazing at things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal." Some of you are familiar with the fact that Matthew 13 is a place where Jesus gives parables about the kingdom of God. In fact, it's where we really can come to understand the true nature of the kingdom of God. And this is one of the things he says. Listen to this. This is in, uh, in the midst of those parables. He says, Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it. This is the living Christ that is telling them this. They have seen God manifest in the flesh, and he was teaching them at this point. And they longed to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus, uh, if you remember his conversation with Nicodemus in John 3, uh, where Nicodemus comes to talk to Jesus because he's a leader in Israel, And he doesn't want the other leaders to know that he's actually impressed with Jesus because they see him as a great threat. But he comes to Jesus under the cover of night, cover of darkness, and he comes to talk to Jesus. And he kind of wants Jesus to approve of his opinion of him. And so he compliments Jesus. He says, we know that you must have come from God because of the things that you do and say. And so Jesus begins to tell him, you don't have the ability to see the kingdom of God or to enter the kingdom of God until you've been born again. In the midst of that, as because uh, Nicodemus says, what are you talking about? What am I supposed to do? Enter into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says to him, if I told you earthly things, that is things that have already been revealed and you do not believe, because this had been revealed in the Old Testament, the need for the new birth in order into the kingdom of God. He says, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? 
Now, heavenly things are things that you can't see. The kingdom of God basically is described in two different phases. The first phase is the phase we're in right now. And this phase of the kingdom of God, Jesus is ruling from heaven, and we can't see him. Now, there were a group of people who saw him when he fulfilled his ministry here on this earth, but we don't see him. You've never seen Jesus. Please don't tell me that you have, because I won't believe you. No one has, we haven't seen him. It's like Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. That's kind of strange, isn't it? That believers have never seen Jesus, but they love him. And though you're not seeing him day by day, you're believing him, trusting him, and you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Well, the, te- the text that you heard read this morning from Colossians 3 is explaining to us the nature of how we relate to the king of heaven. He's the high king of heaven. He's reigning right now from heaven, but we cannot see him. We experience him in all kinds of ways, but we can't see him. And this is what it is that we cannot see, that we are called to look upon him, to fix our gaze upon him, even though we can't see him physically. In Colossians chapter 1, before the passage you heard was Colossians 3, but in Colossians chapter 1, Paul says, He, that is the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So everybody who comes to faith in Christ is transferred from a kingdom of darkness where they cannot see spiritual reality into the kingdom of his dear son where we experience a relationship with Christ. But then in chapter 3, as you heard, Paul says, therefore, since you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then he, then he, then he explains what, what that means. How do you seek uh, things above where Christ is? He says, by earnestly setting your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Setting your mind, fixing your gaze upon this heavenly reality that you have come to believe in through the testimony of the gospel. You heard the gospel. You heard the truth about what God has done in Christ Jesus, and you rested your faith in him. And now, Paul says, now to live the Christian life, you must fix your gaze upon him whom you cannot see physically. And you can only do that by faith. And he goes on to explain why we should set our mind on things above and and not on the things that are on earth that you can see. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, Paul begins this this short scripture we're looking at, verses 16 through 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Well, why why would he lose heart? What is it that's going on in Paul's life that would make him lose heart? Well, what he's told us in verse 1 and then verses 14 and 15. Let me read these to you because he has said this three times. Paul says, therefore, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy and we do not lose heart. Paul had received a ministry and you have received a ministry according to 1 Corinthians 12. Every single believer has received a ministry. 
You might have be totally unaware of that, but you have received a ministry as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, the reason I don't lose heart is because I have received this ministry that he has called me to. And then in verse 14 and 15, again, he says, knowing this, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you for all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Paul did not lose heart because he knew that the ministry that Christ had placed him in was a ministry in which he was going to be able, an instrument in the hands of God to spread the glory of God. That more and more people would come to praise God in their lives because they have come to understand the gospel. And so he says, that's why I don't lose heart. I don't lose heart because I have this great confidence. Back in chapter 1, Paul said, in this confidence, verse 15, I intended at first to come to you so that you might receive a blessing twice. Now, what was going on with Paul was he was getting all kinds of resistance to his ministry to the Corinthians. Can you mothers relate to that when you're loving your children and you're serving them and you're doing all kinds of things for you and they resist you? That's what Paul was feeling. But he says, we don't lose heart. Here in verses 16 through 18, we don't lose heart. And the reason we don't lose heart is because we understand a dynamic that is going on in our lives. And this dynamic is that, first of all, we don't lose heart because our inner man is being renewed day by day. That's why we don't lose heart, because our inner man is being renewed day by day. Now, this renewal is something the Bible talks a lot about. It talks about this transforming power of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But it happens in the midst of ministry. It doesn't happen when you're sitting on the bench and you have no desire whatsoever to serve Christ, even though he's called you to serve him and he's given you a ministry and the Spirit's given you a gift to use in that ministry. But as we engage in this, the reason that we don't lose heart even though our outer man is perishing, is because, and this is what keeps us from losing heart, is our inner man is being renewed day by day. That doesn't just mean he fixes you every day because you mess up every day and you have all kinds of pain you go through, and so he repairs you while you sleep. It's not talking about that. It's talking about he is transforming you into the image of Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, verse 29 it is, he says that... uh, He has a plan to conform every believer into the image of Christ, character-wise. You're never going to look like him physically, but you are going to look like him in character because that's his plan, to conform us into the image of Christ. And so he says, the reason I don't lose heart is I know that even though my outer man is perishing day by day, that my inner man is being renewed. My inner man is being renewed day by day. Now, he says, that's why I don't lose heart. Yes, it's difficult. Uh, Paul is now about 50 years old when he writes this letter. He'd been in the faith for about 20 years. And he had all, had all kinds of experiences. If you read the later chapters of 2 Corinthians, you hear his, his description of all the things he went through. How many times he was beaten? How many times he was rebuffed? How many times he was shipwrecked? in doing the work of God. Things went really badly for him at times. But he said the reason we don't lose heart is we realize that these things we're going through 
God is using to renew us day by day. Now, that's great news, especially as you serve Christ, for example, as mothers serving Christ by loving your children, that even though it can get really difficult, you're being renewed day by day. How many of you ladies believe that? You can say, man, it's okay. Uh, Only three of you believe it. My goal is that the rest of you will believe it before you leave here that God actually is doing a work within the believer as we go through difficulties and face trials, is he's renewing us day by day. He explains this daily renewal. It's a constant production of solid, lasting glory. In fact, notice in verse 17, when he says, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. You see what he's comparing? He's comparing the momentary light affliction. Now, it would be an insult to most of us if we're going through something really difficult and somebody says, yeah, that's, that's really tough that you're going through this momentary light affliction. No, it feels like it's lasting forever and it's so heavy I can barely hold up under it. After all, this has been going on for like three months or three years. Well, guess how long eternity is? And he says what's happening is God is using this to prepare you for the very presence of Christ. As I said, the kingdom of God is seen in two phases. It's seen, first of all, in Scripture, it's seen in two phases. The first phase is what we are going through right now. We can't see the high king of of heaven, but he's reigning. He's reigning over this world. He's reigning over this universe. He's reigning over your life. That's the first phase of it. The second phase, and so the first phase is kind of described as the kingdom of the sun. The second phase, when he hands the kingdom over to the Father, 1 Corinthians 15, he says that then the Father will be all in all. So that's, that's when we'll see him. That's when we'll see because this is the kingdom of the Father, and the Father wants to put his Son on display so that we can see his Son. So that day's coming. But until it comes, we are living in this situation where we can't see the one that we have trusted for salvation. I've told you this story before. When I was in college, a guy was claiming, as a bunch of guys were talking about theology, and this guy claimed that Jesus would show up in his room ever so often and talk to him. And everybody was kind of like, oh boy. And so I said, what does he say to you? And he couldn't remember. Wouldn't that be something if Jesus showed up in your, your bedroom at night, woke you up, And the next day, somebody said, well, what did he say? He said, you know, I just don't remember. Well, you really are in trouble if you couldn't remember what Jesus said to you. Well, let me tell you, I I think he was dreaming because we don't see Christ with the eyes that are in our head, but what we do see him is we see him by faith. We don't really know what he looks like. The pictures we have of him are probably of a Roman who was the model for those pictures. After all, he was a Jewish man, 33 years old when he died. He was probably about five foot six. But this glorious king, the eternal king of heaven, is reigning on high, and he says that as we are, as our outer man is perishing, our inner man is being renewed day by day. I am coming to understand him and see him and relate to him in a way that I couldn't years ago. We actually, he is actually transforming us. He's renewing us. He's giving us a deeper ability 
to see the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. And so the trials themselves, yeah, it's regrettable, but it is profitable. Uh, what God is doing is something amazing. What is glory anyway? If this uh, momentary light affliction is producing glory for eternity future, what is this? Well, he's speaking about glory as though it's something, some substantial entity that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But what is glory? Well, glory in Scripture, in fact, and if you remember in Romans 5, verse 2, it says that we hope, one of the characteristics of being a believer in Christ is we exult in the hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means we're going to see him. He's going to, we're going to live in the presence of God. And so when the fact is right now, we can experience the reality of his presence in our lives, even though we can't see him. We can experience this soul expanding, this inner man expanding experience of walking with Christ if we fix our gaze upon him. Now, we all know how hard that is because we live a life in a world that's uh, so visible to us. There's so many things that we can see, and we all have about five different ways of looking at stuff on a screen. You can watch movies and the news and politics. And so it's easy to spend your whole life. In fact, uh, this is becoming an epidemic, isn't it? You have people, where you go now, almost everywhere you go, somebody's looking at a screen. And what Paul says is, I want you to fix your gaze upon Jesus. I want you to fix your gaze upon that which is not seen, which is the Lord Jesus Christ reigning in the third heaven as the high king of the kingdom of God. And so this glory then is... uh, is what we are experiencing in our life as we live in the presence of Jesus Christ. Do you ever expect God to renew you? Do you expect God to be changing you for your Christian life? You're actually experiencing a deeper relationship with him. That's what he wants you to expect because it's what he's promised. And he wants us to walk in faith according to his promises. Now, We exult in the hope of the glory of God. We know that one of these days we're going to be in his very presence. But until then, he wants us to fix our gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to fix our spiritual eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how do we do that? Well, where in the world can you hear? Where can can you discover uh, who Jesus is and, and what he's like? The only place is the word of God and the testimony of fellow believers So we need to come to the Word of God and see Christ in the Scriptures. Now, one of the things you learn real quick, if you read the Bible much, is you discover that Christ is everywhere. That this, the book, the Bible is about Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't take long for you to be pointed to the Lord Jesus. And so obviously, if I'm going to fix my gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to be in His Word. I'm going to have to hear the testimony the Spirit-empowered testimony of these prophets and the apostles who gave us the Scripture. And as I do, I begin to fix my gaze upon Him. Now, our part in this spiritual renewal, God does it, you can't do it, God has to do it. But we do have a part. 
He says it is, it take, it's taking place while we look, that is, we fix our gaze. The, the word there, scopeo, we get our word scope from it, and it means to be totally fixed upon it. It means to concentrate on him. And so he says, while we, while we look, that is, while we gaze, not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, we are being transformed. We are being renewed. It's Christ. It's bringing Christ into your, your very awareness of life that God uses to transform you. He says, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Oh, praise the Lord. What a glorious promise that is. The things that are seen are temporal. <laughs> Aren't you glad of that? I mean, every time you look in the mirror, you ought to say, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So this production of glory within us, it doesn't, it's not automatic. It, was only as we, it is only as we fix our attention upon the Lord Jesus Christ that we begin to experience this. It is quite literally what Paul is saying is we are being, trans, we are being uh, re renewed day by day provided we keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. What is seen versus what is unseen. That's the tension between already and not yet. You all, you all are aware of uh, 1 John 3 when Paul says, or John, John actually wrote 1 John. Uh, John says, what foreign kind of love is this that we should be called the children of God? And we are. But then he says, but it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when we see him, we'll see him as he is and we'll be transformed into his image. So that's the now, but not yet. See, now you're worshiping the king of glory, the high king of glory. But you're not going to see him. You're not going to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God until we enter into his very presence. But right now, at this phase in the Christian life, you can set your attention on that which is unseen. Upon the Lord Jesus Christ seated on the throne. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's going to be seated there until he accomplishes this task of completing his work in the life of the church of Jesus Christ. He's going to come. What a glorious promise we have. And so he says, in the meantime, I can live my life with my attention fixed upon what, that which is not seen. He's not repudiating, you know, having interest in the visible world. He's affirming that his affections are set on things above. What do you love? What is it that really fills your horizon? He says, if you want to experience this renewal, it has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, it is the way. It is the biblical way. It is the Christ-centered way for you to not lose heart in the midst of very difficult circumstances. You know what losing heart is? That's, be, that's being depressed. You know, when things go bad, your, your health begins to, to falter and fail. Or, or things go bad that you were so dependent upon, you were so sure this was going to take place, and it doesn't. And it's so discouraging. So what does he tell you to do? 
take your eyes off the things that are seen and put them on the things that are not seen. The wonderful thing is, no matter what happens in your life, you have a child that abandons the faith or, or turns on you. The fact is, Jesus Christ is still seated on his throne. And he is still the high king of heaven and of earth. And so we trust him. So this preoccupation with the realm of where Christ is seated at the right hand of God is an informed decision you have to make. I mean, every, every moment this week, you're going to decide where you put your attention. Now, it's true we develop habits and we just automatically set our attentions on something that fills our moments so that we're not bored. But we can decide to set our attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have this revelation, this glorious revelation of Christ. And if you don't have one, I'll be glad to give you one. But in this book, you have a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is where you discover what he's really like. And what his will for you is in the given situation that you're in. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing that, that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness in his word because he tells us how we are to fix our gaze upon the Son and live our lives out of this response to who he is and what he has done for us. So as Paul says in Colossians, therefore, since you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above. Keep seeking things above. In other words, seeking things above is a very strong concept. It means he's to be this, he's to be the, the thing that you crave and love and pursue and find energy in. Keep seeking things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God by setting your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. If you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, and that's really quite literally since you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Paul was profoundly aware that the present age is transient. It's not going to last forever. Praise God, it's not going to last forever. That's why he writes in 1 Corinthians 7.31 to us as believers, he says, so those of you who use the world, which we all do in our culture, we use the world, be as though you, have, you do not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. Everything that the world system offers you to calm your heart and to fill your affections is fading away. It's fading away. I have had a conversation with a guy who's telling me that he's been going through a lot of stuff, and he said, I've always had this idea that there was a pill for anything that I suffered, and that doctors knew how to prescribe something that would, would relieve what it is that you're going through. And I've discovered it isn't true. I've discovered that their solutions don't work. And the fact is, whatever you're going through, Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father on high. And he says, I want you to look at me. I want you to keep your eyes fixed upon me. And so the real question is not what are you looking at, it's who are you looking at? One of the most uh, disappointing things in all the world is look at yourself. I'm so glad that the thing in the mirror <laughs> that I look at every day 
is not going to last forever. Instead, we get to look at the one who is unchanging, who's so glorious that God says, the way I'm preparing you for his presence is I'm using your trials, your light temporary trials to produce in you an eternal weight of glory so that you'll actually experience the fullness of his presence, the glory of the Son of God. So I would just say to you, mothers, since it's Mother's Day, this is a great practice to learn how to do and learn early and practice it throughout your life. Learn how to connect with Jesus Christ. And if you don't know how, if you literally don't know how, then you need to hook up with a believer who does, some believers who do. They know how to connect with Jesus Christ. Some years ago, Steve Fernandes wrote this little pamphlet and when he was at the school, the Grace School of Theology called The Felt Presence of God. And what he was trying to describe is this glorious experience of experiencing the presence of God in your life, not just in worship when you're with a bunch of people, but in your life as you live before him. Jesus actually wants you to know that he's with you. He actually wants you to know when you turn your attention to him that he's aware of it. Sometimes you've talked to important people. You see somebody, maybe you've read a book they wrote or something like that, and you want to talk to them. And you can tell right away that they really don't want to enter into this conversation with you. They're too busy. They're too distracted. The wonderful thing is that Jesus Christ is never like that. He's never like that. He actually hears your prayer. He hears your heart. And so fix your gaze on him and communicate with him. And he'll make his presence known to you. And so you can rejoice. Your present light affliction is working for producing an eternal weight of glory in the presence of Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, I confess to you how easy it is to live life ignoring your Son, ignoring the reality that I have a Savior, the King of the kingdom of God who sits at your right hand and who accomplishes your purpose in this world and in our lives. I pray, Father, that the, the rule and the influence that things that are seen have of, upon us would not keep us from setting our attention, setting our gaze upon the living Christ who is seated at your right hand. We pray that as we live our lives in this phase of the kingdom of God, we could live it with an awareness of the one who sits on the throne and orders all things. I pray that the Word of God would begin to become something more to us than simply a book I ought to read, but it would become the window. As I open it up, I can see Christ through this window. Open our eyes to Him, we pray. Fill our hearts with confidence in this living Savior, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.